I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, It's Time. So, because I'm 28 years old, going to be turning 29 in uh, this year and 30 in 2012, mm-hmm. I figured I better make 2011 last for as long as humanly possible. And how do you intend to do this? Well, I read some research by a scientist named David Eagleman who maintains that when you experience something new and unusual, your senses are heightened and you record more information onto your brain. So when you go back and replay that experience, it slows it down for you because your brain has to shuffle through so many more memories. And that explains why when your child, your adolescence seems to have lasted for so long. It's because every single activity that you participate in is new. It's so true, yeah. And so in an effort to really slow down my own perception of time, I've created a project and an experiment called The Time Hack. And what I'm doing for the project is I'm having a new and dynamic experience every day for 365 days. For instance, riding a mechanical bull, attempting a head spin, um, cooking dinner in in a fireplace in my apartment. And and a part of this is that you're documenting all these experiences at your website, thetimehack.com, right? through blog posts and uh, video recordings. Yes, exactly. So what I should say, though, is on a technical level how the project works is I take a timer, a small timer with me to each new experience, and I time that experience, but I don't look at how long the experience is lasting for, meaning I don't look at the actual time when when the experience is finished. Mm -hmm. And then I attempt to estimate how long I thought that experience lasted for so, for instance, on day one of the time hack, mm-hmm. I fought a boxer. This is day one, and this is boxing. I've never fought a boxer ever in my life. I know nothing about boxing. I know nothing about fighting. Okay. Uh, at all. So here I am, for the first time, fighting a professional boxer, right? And the event's being timed. And we went, I think, something like five rounds, right? And after five rounds, I was exhausted. I was extremely bruised. Um, and I really had lost sight of how much time I thought passed. But the whole idea of the project is I had to estimate how long I thought the boxing match lasted for. Mm-hmm. And then the time that it actually lasted for is posted under a secret link on the website also. That you do not so get to see. That I do not get to see. I because see. Because I don't want that to influence how I'll perceive future activities. And now, and now how long did you actually think... Um, you were you were fighting for? I think that probably lasted about an hour. Okay. Um, can I ask you to cover your ears and maybe create some, some noise so that I could share with the <laughs> listeners at home how long the experience actually lasted? All right, all right, right? La, 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 Okay, and the actual time recorded? 43 minutes. Are you done? Yes, I am done. I am done. I was afraid I was about to come in on the tail end of that one. So the idea is that you're constantly trying new things, uh, but a part of that feels like you're also uh, doing uncomfortable things, like uh, like reciting the alphabet in public. Yes, that's a very good example of an uncomfortable activity. (laughs) 
I was uncomfortable watching it. It was extremely on, on your website. So I went to Union Square in New York City, and I, I, I stood up on a, a fountain, um, the edge of a fountain, in front of what I would guess would be a uh, hundred or two hundred people walking by and scurrying past. If you've ever been in Union Square, you know that's a, mm-hmm. a pretty big hub for pedestrians. And I just started reciting or singing, rather, the alphabet in front of uh, all of these people just spontaneously. And they all sort of stopped and looked at me, and it was really bizarre and uh, uncomfortable. And do you recall how long you thought the event lasted? Yeah, I think, I think it lasted around 48 seconds. Okay, and I will ask you once again to uh, assume the dignified position. Okay, here I go. And it was actually only 24 seconds, huh? Okay. Are you done? Yep, safe. Okay, cool. When you are uh, involved in the experience, are you counting in your head, or would that be like cheating? I I wasn't at first, but as the project has sort of um, progressed... I've begun sort of making mental notes. And uh, so my brain will sort of like click on when when I believe I'm at minute one and minute two, minute three, and so on and so forth. And, and what, what, what's been one of the more memorable things that you've done? Having, having, having dinner with a homeless person was definitely one of my more uh, memorable experiences in the whole project. So huh. what I did is um, I, I made up some bag lunches. Mm-hmm. And I, I walked downtown uh, to uh, DuPont Circle, which is a neighborhood in Washington, D.C. And uh, I found a man standing outside of McDonald's, and I asked him if he was hungry. And he said, yeah. What's up, my brother? I'm Raymond. Nice to meet you, Raymond. I'm homeless. He took the, he took the bag lunch, and he went through his life while we were talking and explained to me where he's been and what sort of has brought him to those circumstances. And what was unexpected was that he told me he had been in jail for, uh, for murder. And uh, mm-hmm. he explained how he shot a person with a handgun at point-blank range. You ever heard of that show, America's Most Wanted? Yeah. I was on for 44 months. You were out on the land for 44 months? Four years. That is a long time to be on the run. And I'm sort of there chowing down the sandwich I made in my nice, warm apartment, you know, it's freezing outside. And I'm standing next to this guy in this, like, really deserted street really late at night, you know, listening to him explain how to get away with murder. And, and how long did you did you think the whole thing lasted? Um, I think the experience probably lasted for about 19 minutes. Okay. And uh, I shall reveal the actual time oh. to our listeners. Fingers and ears. Okay. La, 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 it was actually 1706. That's pretty good. Okay. You done? Uh, yep. Okay. So today is day 48 of the project. You've got uh, 317 days to go. And so far, what have you taken away from this? Have, have there been any surprises? I think what surprised me the most about the experiment is how I perceive time when I'm not engaging in something new. I, at first, found time to slip by extremely quickly. I mean, I would sit down to watch television and... Uh, Within an instant, I mean, literally, it felt like I just blinked. One hour was up. Mm -hmm. But that's changed recently. Mundane experiences or repetitive tasks feel like they're moving by extremely slowly now. You know, we've, we've come to this point as a society where we can manipulate so much of what's around us. You know, we could change the temperature. We could change the picture on the wall with our 
uh, with our um, liquid crystal displays, you know. And yet we're still falling victim to this very basic thing that we all have to deal with, and that is time. So the idea is to just understand that you don't have to fall victim to time. Um, Everyone knows that you shouldn't sit around on the couch and just let life pass you by. Everybody knows that. I'm just trying to collect the data to prove it. It was really great talking to you, Matt. Thanks so much for coming in. No, thank you for having me here. Just for the fun of it, how long do you think we were speaking for? Um, I think we were speaking for roughly 63 minutes. It's it's actually been eight and a half, but <laughs> I have that effect on people. Come in. Howard? Hey, hey. What? How you doing? Am I bothering you? I'm just a little taken aback. You never knock on the studio I saw you through the glass. You seemed like you were busy. I didn't want to bother you. I'll come back later. I've never never seen this side of you. No. You seem sort of blue. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit down. I I was cleaning up my apartment. That's that's pretty odd. I know. I actually wasn't cleaning up. I was looking for something. What were you looking for? A pancake. It slipped between my, my papers and books. How? And, you know, it's so thin it's hard to find. How, I don't... I had it on my bookshelf and I guess it slipped through somehow. How, I had why? to start taking everything off. And why would you have a pancake on your book? I always leave food surprises for myself all over the house. And all of a sudden, well, there's a little snack. Like sometimes I'll put like jelly beans in my shoes. You know, you put them on. It's like, well, what's this? You find a little jelly bean. Uh-huh. I put a nice, uh, you know, like an all be frank in the toilet paper roll. You put a new toilet paper roll on there. It's like, whoa, for the little hot dog. It's nice. Why would you want a, a hot dog in, in the toilet? Where am I? Not in the toilet, in the toilet paper roll. In a no, fresh but, package of toilet paper. Yeah, but... Y- I'm not disgusting. Right. Anyway, I was looking for the pancake, and I put my hand through, and it fell down back behind the bookshelf. And uh, as I was reaching down for it, I saw, I saw this letter. And I, I, I pull it out, and I see it's, it's this letter that my dad gave me when he was sick, and then... You read from yeah, your dad died when. Well, he died. I guess, well, I guess he died when he was about nineteen. So it, it's it's a. Uh... Well, he was really sick at the time, and it's, it's sealed. It says on on look at this. Look what it says here. Open when I am dead and gone. Look at that. Wow. Yeah, and very serious guy. It, you you ha- you never opened it. No, you know my dad was really hard. He was always so hard on me and stuff, and uh, I guess I was always disappointing him. I just. At the time, he was sick, and I didn't feel like I could really even deal with whatever he had to say. But then before you know it, time you know, time just slips by, and here I am, you know. And so here I have this letter, and I just I, did, I didn't really have the guts to open it by myself. I, so I figured I'd just come on by. Do you, do you mind like, keep me company as I open this letter? Is that ridiculous? or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course, Howard. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't know your, your dad very well. Um, he liked you, you know. He did. Yeah. It, you see, it didn't. It didn't necessarily seem like he, it. He was a he was a tough love kind of guy, you know. He he, you know, he didn't know joy and he didn't you know didn't express pain and if you you know if we were happy, what's there to be happy about? And and if you're if you're not feeling well, it's like what do you know from suffering? So it was just very hard. There was just no way to please him, and there was no in between, you know. So you remember my dad? Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. He was a hard guy to get to know. He was quite um, young. He, he was he was usually at at work. He was he was always at the 
at the butcher shop most of the time when I was over. Yeah, I mean, he was gone five in the morning. He was at the market. Yeah, because you know, he was like he was like a butcher grocer, mm-hmm. and he was gone all day, and he'd come back at midnight. You know, we had a, a, a cousin or someone who wanted to get into the business, and he said, if you want to eat your supper at midnight, then this is the job mm-hmm. for you. You know, my 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 most uh, I have a couple of distinct memories of your dad. I remember being at your house when I was a teenager, and him forcing me to pull his hair. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, he was very proud of that. Yeah. He really did have hair of iron. I'd pull as hard as I could, and he'd just laugh, you know. We used to make jokes that we were going to tie his feet to the car, you know, and then tie his head to a post, and we were like, actually drive to see, you know. But, yeah, it's incredible. Very, 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 very tough hair. Tough hair, tough guy. I mean, he had a hard life. You know, he lost most of his family. And, uh, I mean, he was born in a really small, you know, it was a dwarf. You know, never mind a shtetl. It was a dwarf. And, well, what is that? I mean, a dwarf. A dwarf is like... You know, it's like a suburb of a shtetl. It's like a, a dwarf makes a shtetl look like Manhattan, you know. Uh-huh. And this was in Poland, and, you know, his family went through a lot, and, you know, most of them went to went to the camps, and he escaped through the underground. And, I mean, he was in Canada by the age of 12. He became a butcher. That was his trade. He never liked it also. He, he to, didn't? No, never liked being a butcher. Anymore. Really? Yeah. My dad couldn't even watch, you know, medical shows on television. It just gave him, like, obvious flashbacks to his job. He had a sense of humor. He was funny. He I, liked. He had a cruel sense of humor. Well, I remember one of his favorite jokes was putting his hand on the stomach of anyone who was fat and asking them how many months. Yeah, and he didn't make people laugh. I mean, he made himself laugh. But he <laughs> made people angry. You know, I don't, I don't even know if he thought this was a joke. I think he actually believed this. But I remember I was a little kid. I was in diapers still, mm-hmm. and um, I was sitting in the backyard, and my dad was reading a newspaper. My dad was often just sitting there reading the paper. When he wasn't working, especially on weekends or whatever. And I remember I, I must have said something like, I'm hungry, Daddy, I'm hungry. And he just looked at me, he put the paper down, and he said, he gestured towards the grass, and he says, eat the grass. And I said, people don't eat grass, we don't eat grass. He said, cows eat grass, sure you can eat grass, eat grass. So I, I started grazing. Then at some point my mom came home, and she started screaming at my father, and they started having this huge argument. And meanwhile, you know, the man let me eat half of our backyard. I mean, the part of the story is, you know, that was kind of cruel. But the other thing I learned is that, yeah, you actually can eat grass. So here I got this letter, and I don't know what to do. Well, I mean, you, I mean, you know what to do. You got you to gotta open it. Maybe maybe another time. You know, when you get something to eat, let's what go you, to the what cafeteria. What are you talking about? You came over here. I know, but I'm chickening out chicken. I'm in the mood for chicken. Howard. You want to go into the cafeteria and get some chicken on a bun? Chicken on a bun. Okay, Howard. Exchanging poultry. Open the letter when we're done. Come on. Obviously, you want, you know, you came here and... All right. You know. Peel it back. See, it's stuck really well because of age and because he had a lot of saliva. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Dear Einach. Einach? That's my, my Hebrew name, Einach. Oh, yeah. Dear Einach, I passed this letter to you. Look how it's misspelled. All these crazy Y-O-O. He has a nice penmanship, though. Yeah. His spelling wasn't so good. Dear Einach, I passed this letter to you because, as you know, I am not long for this world. The doctors say it may be a week, it may be a month. Only God knows. You are now 18 years old. 
When I was your age, I had already fought in the war, married your mother, opened my first butcher shop, and had your sister Ruchje. You are 18 and you do nothing. You sit, you look at squirrels, you eat. How will you be self-sufficient when I'm gone? You don't go to school. You don't work. You talk about your crazy dreams, but you sound like a dummy. Wasn't that like that? That was sort of like your dad's nickname for you. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of sweet. He would always call. Yeah, it was like, it was uh, like dummy, dummy. Tr- what are you doing, dummy? He once called me dummy. I think. Really? Oh, that's nice. See, I told you he liked you. Uh, None of your dreams will come true. Believe me. I say this as a father. I am afraid that in death you will shame me, yourself, your family, and most of all, yourself. I know that you have a head on your shoulders. Remember when you came to the butcher shop with me when you were seven and you cut meat good. You had talent. I told you you could have a career as a butcher, but you said you wanted to be a kung fu master, and I said you were a dummy. What will be your future? I won't be around to know. This is what is hardest. I love you, and I'm sorry I won't be there to help you. Please think about what I say. Your father who loves you, Nathan. Hmm. That's funny. I remember that. Uh, I remember that day uh, when I was cutting meat. <clears throat> yeah, he was encouraging. It's it's. That's so nice. He never really said anything like that before. Like that he actually. Uh, I mean, my dad never said he loved me. You know, and. So uh, how do you? So how do you feel reading this now? I don't know. Well, thank, well, thanks for <clears throat> you know being with me here. You know that was kind of difficult. You know, but uh, I guess the thing that's the most uh, difficult for me is you know that you know. I wish he was around. You know, to see me today, to see that that I did good. That I'm you know I'm. I'm success, you know, I mean, uh, I don't mean in a bad way, but I mean, I, I guess I, you know, I proved him wrong. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a happy person and, you know, I've had many careers and... That's true. You know, he was afraid that I wouldn't be self-sufficient and, you know, you know, got cash in my pocket. Yeah, usually my cash. Yeah, I mean, had he known, you know, he would have been nicer to you. Maybe he would have called you like a stupid dummy. You know, he's when he was really, really in a good mood, he called me stupid dummy. <laughs> anyway, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm happy I opened it. I wish I'd opened it 20 years ago, but uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, you know, getting emotional always kind of makes me a bit hungry. Do you want to go get something to eat? Sure, how? Let's go to the cafeteria and get some chicken. You know what would be nice, actually, personally, what I, I wouldn't mind, you know, is uh, maybe we can make a little l'chaim to my dad, maybe raise a glass to, to Nathan, you know. Would you want to... D- that sounds like a really nice idea. How oh, sure? Right, we'll have some chicken and a little schnapps kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. They, they serve wine in the cafeteria, so we'll... Well, I was thinking more, you you was more of a vodka kind of guy, not, I mean, you must, come on, just 
pull up one of your flasks there and we'll have like a shot of something Howard, hard. And I don't care. I don't care. No, my dad really liked Chinese food. Maybe after we that we can just go for some Chinese after food. After eating chicken. Just in the spirit of, you know, my dad's letter. Okay, Howard, I think I think it's a little... You know what I'd like if you took me to that nice Chinese place because they have egg rolls. He loved egg rolls and he loved pineapple chicken. I knew what he loved. He loved when people treated him. You know, and I'm very much my father's son, and he raises yeah, something clearly. like that. So maybe you'd get me a nice... I'm not getting you a yeah, Chinese we'll get meal. Yeah, we'll get some like, Peking, Peking duck or something. After you know, eating chicken. The poor guy never had Peking duck. And then in honor of my dad, let's have some Peking duck just to, okay. to honor him. All right. Something Howard, nice and expensive. You, you, see, you know what? Now you're pushing it For my dad. Far. You don't want to disgrace my dad's memory. No, I don't want to disgrace his memory. You're a good buddy. Here, let me just get some chicken. Hello, Goldstein Talent Management Enterprises, manager to the stars. You do not answer the telephone that way every single time someone calls. How's my favorite client? If I, I'm your only client. That's not true. Oh? I just signed Buzz Goldstein. Ever heard of him? My father. Why, I guess he is your father. That's right. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I signed him to some speaking engagements where he talks about your bedwetting problems as a kid. I had, I had no... I overcame it with prayer. He's going to be talking about Raisin Goldstein. Actually... That gives me another idea for an animated show for kids about Raisin Goldstein, where every other kid is a succulent grape, and you'd be little Raisin Goldstein, okay. a little shriveled-up nobody of a, of uh, a raisin. Okay, the and reason I'm calling is because of this watch that you sent me. Oh, yes, you're welcome. You got my watch. Gregor, this, this thing's a nightmare. It, you, you I have think a, a simple thank you will do. Oh, he, do you hear that? That's your watch. And it makes different sounds like that practically every 20 seconds. This caveman, it's a watch alarm. I pre-programmed it to remind you of how you could work to help yourself and help your career. And what is this supposed to be a reminder for? That's to update your Facebook status. You know, like, status update. I got some ice cream and now it melted and I'm sad. Five minutes later, status update. I'm still sad. Okay. Status update. I am a sad man with no ice I cream get, to eat. I get the idea. Okay, and what is this one supposed to be reminding me to do? That's the alarm that reminds you to check for halitosis and underarm odors. I have to do this at a prescribed time during the day. Subtly. Not so people notice. Yeah, they're not going to notice. They're going to they're hear turkey and the straw playing on a loop at top volume. Yeah, it's how polite society functions. No, no it isn't. You know that. You don't know that. You know why? Because you don't understand the first thing about polite society. You are like a cur that I found wild in the wilderness, and I'm training you to be a house dog. A house dog that has a very helpful watch strained to its paw that tells him what to do. Oh, okay, here's another alarm. What, and what's, what's this? Let's see, what, it's 11.35, that would be... It sounds like my car's being stolen. That's the one that reminds you how to tie a Windsor knot. Remember you said to me, you can never remember how to tie a Windsor knot? So every single day at 11.35 a.m. I have to endure this alarm to remember to... Until, only until you learn to tie a Windsor knot. This is just like training a dog, Johnny. Listen, Gregor, this thing kept me up all night last night. Well, that's good. Quit trying to sleep so much. You're never going to get anything done if you lay in bed all day long. And what is, what, what is this dignified sound? That's just a fart sound effect. Farts are funny. Come on, Johnny. Don't be such a stick in the mud. Mm-hmm. Look, the point is, life is short. Time slips away before we get to do the things we really wanted to do. We dream of this cruise to Africa, and then we're on our deathbed, and we say, geez, I never got to take that cruise I wanted. Soon you're going to be dead. Stone cold oh, dead. Thank you. In the ground rotting. Oh, that's nice. Worm food, my friend. You're, you're a real pick-me-up. What this watch is going to do for you 
going to make you aware of the passage of time in a way that you were never aware before. Every time you hear a chime, it's like the chime of the Buddha. It's bringing you right back to the present moment. Does the present moment have to be so loud? Do you, what do you think? If I, if I turn down the volume on every one of these alarms, you know what you would do? Get some sleep. You would sleep all night. Yeah. And you know what's going to happen in the morning? You're going to have terrible morning breath. Wait a second. I have an idea. Keep Johnny from sleeping so he never wakes up with morning breath. Where was I? If you paid attention to every one of the alarms that I worked out for you, in six months' time, you'd be 50 pounds lighter, and you'd be about two inches taller, okay. and you live in a much bigger house. Okay, Gregor, I am putting this watch in the trash disposal. I don't Go want ahead, it, okay? Go ahead, put it in the trash disposal. That's fine, but I don't give up on you so easy, Johnny. So if you don't want the watch, I have my plan B all in place. What, what is that? I'm downstairs ringing your buzzer. What are you doing? Sending you messages. We don't need the watch. This is going to work out much better. I'll do five buzzes like this. Squat thrust. Trims your buns. Oh, God. One long and three shorts like this. That means I want to come upstairs. I have to pee. One short buzz like this. Get away from my door. That either means it's push-ups time or maybe you're getting a delivery because someone showed up and they buzzed your door. Stop it. Hey, maybe as a special guest, I'll get your dad, Buzz. I think he's got the perfect name to buzz your door 24 hours a day. On Wiretap today, you heard Howard Chakowitz, Gregor Ehrlich, and Matt Danzico, whose time-hacking experiment can be followed at thetimehack.com. Wiretap is produced by Mirabert Wintonic, Crystal Duhame, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. Tune into Wiretap Saturdays at 1.30 and Thursday evenings at 11.30. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or at cbc.ca slash wiretap where you can also download the latest wiretap ringtone. Block out painful, hard-to-hear truths with every ring of your phone. And keep those wiretap theme song submissions coming by sending an MP3 of your original theme song to wiretap at cbc.ca or by leaving it as a message on our hotline at 1-877-659-1774. We'll play our favorites on air like this one from Dylan Jackson in Cornwall, Ontario. Gimme, 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 gimme my wiretap. Gimme my wiretap. They took away my cigarettes. They took away my TV sets. Gimme, 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 gimme my wiretap. Howard rules.